Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is the ninth week of our series on Matthew chapters 10 and 11 called Offensive Love. If you'd like to take notes, there's a link for that in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. And without further ado, here's Pastor Mike. Well, we've been in a study of the Gospel of Matthew, and in Matthew specifically looking at chapters 10 and 11, one, one of the things we've seen throughout this section is there's some really hard things that Jesus is saying, hard things that are challenging, that are almost defensive. And, and, uh, and, and it's, in fact, sometimes we've even joked at the idea that, you know, these aren't verses that you generally see in Christian bookstores on educational posters. And, and out of that, we're now this morning going to look at that one passage in Matthew 11 you probably have heard before. You know, this one passage that maybe even is on, on some of these motivational posters. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. And, uh, and, and again, it's a wonderful promise, one that, that many of us may have heard before, may know. And, and yet we're going to see in this promise, it's a great promise, but it's also challenging, maybe in ways that we didn't anticipate. And so if you have a Bible, please open up to Matthew chapter 11. Uh, I invite you to keep it open throughout our time so you could follow along with everything that we say. You can see where it comes from in God's word. Let me begin by reading the passage we're gonna study this morning, Matthew 11, starting in verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege that we do have to come this morning, Father, to be able to dive into this great passage for the great promise that is here. Father, I thank you for the things that you are teaching me even through my own study. Father, the things that are, that are so relevant and so practical. And I pray now that, that your spirit would, would speak, that Father, that it wouldn't be my opinions, my ideas, but somehow that you would speak through me and in spite of me. Father, help us, each one, no matter what we've come in here with, what burdens, what concerns, what, what spirit, that, Father, that we would have a heart that is open to hear, to understand, to allow your spirit to speak into our hearts. We pray for your blessing now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm in debt. I have two car payments four years into a 30-year mortgage, balances on a couple credit cards, plus college for three kids on the horizon, zero savings. I work long hours at a job that I hate, and despite all that, all I get is stress about how I can make more money. I take four pills at night for my back pain. Some days, getting up seems like too much. I struggle with dyslexia, I have high cholesterol, I overeat a little too often. I'm trying to get in shape, but it's never. I mean, never enough. My dad died five years ago from cancer. I should have seen him more before he passed. Man, I miss him so much. Everyone expects me to be over it, but it's something that I still deal with daily. I haven't taken my wife on a date in four months. I practically forgot our anniversary. My kids need me when I get home, but it's late. I want to sleep. I spend my weekends at their functions, as if that's enough. 
all this and I still resent my family because I have no time just for me. I can be amazingly selfish. I'm often angry seemingly for no reason. I struggle with lustful thoughts, none of which my wife understands, nor do I for that matter. I'm good at some things, I'm great at nothing. I had dreams for my work and my family and I abandoned them long ago. I think I'm a realist and I come off as a pessimist. I feel restless knowing something is missing. I have too many burdens. They're suffocating. And this is the weight I carry. If you relate to at least part of that video, and you know, how many of you feel worn out? You feel exhausted, you feel uh, burdened by this weight that you're carrying in life. For many of us, I think it's not just a matter of being physically tired. I think it's probably something deeper. It's not just that we're doing too many things, but there's a weariness of the soul that we're dealing with. And if that's you, I've got good news. And the good news is that when we look at this passage this morning, we see that Jesus is speaking directly to those who are wearied and worn down. I mean, he says right there in chapter uh, 11, verse 28, it says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He's speaking to us who are laboring, who are worn out by carrying the heavy burdens of life. I love the New Living Translation uh, version of this, translation of this verse because it makes it even a little more clear. It talks about Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Now the good news is right off the bat is that if you're here today and you're weary, if you're burdened down, uh, if you're depressed, if you're worn out by just the burdens of life, Jesus understands you. And he not only understands, but he speaks to you, to each one of us in that weariness and he offers rest. But we're gonna see in the study this morning that there is something kind of unexpected in what Jesus says here. You see, we might expect him to say something simple like, you know, if you're weary and heavy burden, come to me and, and I'm gonna take some of that burden from you and, and, I, and I'll help carry it for you, I'll give you rest. But that's not what he says. How do we find his rest? What does it say? Not by taking off our burden for us, but then verse 20, uh, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And here's the surprising thing. It doesn't that say that he's gonna take our burden from us, but we come to him and we find rest by taking his yoke, his burden upon ourselves. And, and that's kind of surprising. You know, because I think that some of us might expect him to come and just simplistic, you know, come to me, pray, and I'll take your troubles away. You know, but no, he says, you gotta take my yoke upon yourself. Now stay with me this morning. We're gonna see what, dig into this and see what it really means. And again, it's wonderful to understand. But to, to understand it, we have to start by kind of acknowledging that this is something that, that I'm gonna call as counterintuitive. And it's not only here, but Oftentimes, you actually see in the God's word, you see the counterintuitive nature of what God tells us. And counterintuitive isn't a word that we use a whole lot of times. It's, you know, it's a big word. It just has the idea of, it means there's something that is counter or opposite of what we would naturally intuitively think, what we would assume, what seems to be obvious to us. And the Bible is filled with all kinds of counterintuitive teachings. For example, Jesus you know, talked about in his teaching that anyone who wants to be first must be last. Now again, that just doesn't sound right. It's, it goes against expectation. 
Or in another passage, he says, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And again, that goes against logic. It goes against what seems obvious, but yet it's true. I think probably the most counterintuitive teaching of the Bible is what we celebrate at Easter. That in Jesus' death and resurrection, we find that as Christians, in death, we find life. That's counterintuitive, but it's true. Now, even in this passage, if we go back a couple verses to where we started to read in verse 25, we see that Jesus is kind of setting us up for the counterintuitive statement that he's about to give us. Look at verse 25, if you have your Bibles open. He says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to children. Now, when he talks about truths that are hidden from the wise and understanding and revealed to little children, what he's saying is that, again, these are truths that are counterintuitive. If you think that you understand everything, if you think that you can control it and that it's all gonna make sense, it's gonna fit in your logical box, then what you're gonna find is you're gonna find you're gonna stumble over a lot of what the Bible teaches because the Bible doesn't always work that way. We need to start with the humility that we don't know everything, that everything's not gonna fit into it. God's mind is bigger than my mind and so God's gonna say things that don't make sense to me but they're true but because God says them, I need to believe them. I need to have the humility of recognizing not everything's gonna make sense to me and recognizing that there's a transcendent truth. There's a God who says things that are beyond my cop, cop ability to comprehend. That's what the Bible talks about when it says in Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is insight. It's not that we're to be fearful of God, afraid of him, but the fear of the Lord means that we recognize that God is God and we recognize our proper relationship to him. I realize there is a God and I'm not him. And not only is there is a God, but because there is a God, I am therefore accountable to him. Now, when we think about this, the counterintuitive aspect is Jesus comes and says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And then he continues to tell us how we find rest in him. By, what does he say? Take my yoke upon you. And again, it's our nature there to rebel against that. You know, how does taking his yoke give us rest? He continues, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart and I will find, uh, find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So now one of the reasons that I think we struggle with this is that we think the idea of taking up Jesus' yoke is something that is heavy and restrictive. And, and here's why. Because in our culture, according to our human wisdom, we assume that freedom means I get to choose whatever I want. According to the wisdom of our world, I know what's best for me. And if I'm free, I'm able to choose whatever I have. And whenever I go to the Bible and it gives me some teachings, well, that's restriction. That's taking away my freedom. That's a yoke. That's a burden. That's bad. That's heavy. But what Jesus is teaching here is that as long as we assume that we know what's best, that we are wise in our own eyes, that we think that we really understand ourselves and our world better than anyone else, we'll never be able to understand the true nature of God's rest and of his blessings that he's prepared for us. But admitting that we don't know everything, that we don't know what's best for ourselves, there's humbling. It's hard and it goes against everything in our culture because our culture says, you know, everything in our wisdom is, is hey, we've evolved. We've gotten to the point we understand things that, that, that people didn't understand 2,000 years ago when the New Testament was written. 
we know how to find happiness and contentment in life. Only the thing is, is that in all the world's wisdom, things aren't going that well. The fact is, is that when you look, you see an incredible weariness in our world. This, this is a very relevant passage to our time. In fact, there have been all kinds of surveys and studies that have been done really over the last couple of years especially that show that there is a weariness that is pervasive in our culture, almost to the point where it's at a crisis level. One of the manifestations of that weariness is, is a struggle with depression. It's when someone feels that they can't handle the burden in life, you know, that I'm just weighed down, I'm just depressed because I can't carry it anymore. And unfortunately, again, all these studies show that the rates of depression are just skyrocketing. It's probably worst amongst teens and young adults. Literally, the studies show in the last handful of years, depression rates have doubled amongst teens and young adults. And it's not just that, though. It's, we can see it across the board of all ages. Uh, there was a study done uh, before COVID that showed that about one in 10 Americans struggle with depression. That was before COVID. And there was another study done not, not long ago that said that it's estimated that 20, there's been a 25% increase in depression and anxiety just in the last year, in large result because of the pressures of COVID. We're worried, burdened, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're uh, weary, we're burdened in life. Why? How do we understand that? It, that we're you know, discouraged if we're not depressed. Where does this come from? Look at again what Jesus says in verses 28 through 30. And I wanna show you something important here. Look at your Bibles. Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. What does it mean to come to him? How do we come to him? He tells us again in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now, right off the bat, the first thing we have to ask is, he's talking about a yoke. What in the world is a yoke? And um, now if, if you, unless you live on a farm, you probably haven't seen a yoke in a long time, if, if ever. And, and you know, that's something that we just don't see in our contemporary world. A yoke is, is something that looks like this. It's usually this, you know, this big beam and it has these metal rings that are in there. And it's something that you put on some kind of beast of burden. It could be a horse, it could be an ox. Uh, actually, there are yokes that people would use in farming and things that even a person will wear a yoke where they'll carry, um, you know, can carry, uh, you know, heavy, uh, you know, it kind of distributes the weight, so they carry uh, heavy uh, things of water. And, and it's important to realize, though, that when we think about the whole idea of the yoke, the yoke itself is not that heavy. It's not that much of a burden. The thing is, what makes a yoke heavy is it's always attached to something else. If I just have a yoke, it's, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. But a yoke is always attached to something else that you're carrying, that you're, that you're pulling. Now, when Jesus says, come to me all that are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you, here's what I want you to see. We're all, why are we weary? Because we're carrying burdens. All of us are carrying a burden. And his point is here, we're all already yoked to a burden. We've all yoked ourselves to something. And whatever you've yoked yourself to, you're bound to it. You, you can't get away from it. And his point here is saying, you know, it's not saying, well, you don't have a yoke, you know, here, take mine. What he's saying is you have a yoke, but the problem is you have the wrong yoke. Now, if we come to verse 28 by itself and saw it by itself, we could read, come to me, all you who are weary and, heavy, and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. And we might conclude that Jesus is saying the problem is that we're just, you know, we're just too weak to handle the, the demands of life. 
you know, life is demanding and it's, it's, you know, it's fast and there's so many things that come at us and we just can't handle it. And therefore, we, we need to come to Jesus and, and he will give us strength to be able to handle what we can't do. He will help us carry our burden. But when you look at verses 29 to 30, we see that's clearly not what Jesus is saying. Our problem is not that we're too weak and we need God's help to carry the burden. The problem is that we're carrying the wrong burden. And Jesus doesn't offer to help us carry our burden. In fact, you know, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't say, well, no, he's saying, no, the problem is you got the wrong burden. You've got to recognize it's the wrong yoke and you've got to take it off and you've got to put the right one on. And he promises that if we do that, if we put on his yoke, in that we find rest. But we have to first of all recognize it starts by saying that we are yoked to something and we have to first take off the wrong one that we're wearing. So when we say, what does it mean? What am I saying when I talk about we're yoked to something? Well, here's the idea. We all have something that we hook our hearts to. We all have something that we believe in our mind is the thing that will bring us fulfillment, contentment, security. And, and we believe that thing, that relationship, that accomplishment, that job, that, you know, whatever that is, we believe that because we believe it will bring us the contentment and security in life we want, we yoke ourselves to it, and we then attach ourselves to the burden of trying to make that work, of somehow saying, oh, I'm gonna chase after this life, and, and I'm gonna try to, if I pull it enough, somehow it's gonna make life work for me. Only the fact is, is that Jesus said, hey, it's always a burden, and it's a heavier burden than you could ever imagine, a heavier burden that you can carry. At first, we're striving to, to accomplish it, and then, and then we're striving to keep it and protect it, now, often it's not bad things. In fact, many of the yokes that we can attach ourselves to in and of themselves may be a good thing. It's, it's often things like relationships. You know, we want to be married. We want to, this really, we want to have kids and we want to have a healthy, happy family and we want to have success in our job. That's a good thing. We want to be loved. We want to be valued. So we seek acceptance. We seek popularity. You know, we, we might even try to find meaning in, 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 in things that we can buy or, or hobbies or, or, or pleasure, all these different things that we can pursue. But the problem is, is that when we become yoked to these goals, our life becomes defined by the burden of somehow pursuing these things, of pulling them. And true contentment always seems just outside of our reach. See, we're worried by the pursuit of, of this meaning and fulfillment, and, and even if we can get there, even to the degree that we do there, then we're worried by the protection of them. So suddenly, well, we want family. Well, what if they get sick? What if our kids rebel against us? What if I lose my job? What if I, all these things can become overwhelming. And the problem is when we make our pursuit of these things, the main cause of our happiness and contentment, fulfillment, when we yoke ourselves to these things, what we're doing is we're taking a good goal, a good pursuit, and we're pursuing it the wrong way and the wrong balance. And a, it, what happens is a wrong pursuit of these blessings will then become a burden. It's not a blessing anymore, it's a burden. It's something that wears us down. Now, the place in the Bible that I think teaches this idea more clearly than any other, the whole book is really about this idea, is a book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bibles, it would be like right smack in the middle of the Old Testament, right after Proverbs. And the main message of Ecclesiastes is that the author is telling us a story about how he pursued everything that the world had to offer. 
I mean, he was a king. He was the wealthiest man in the world at that time. And he had every opportunity, nothing he could, you know, everything that he wanted, he could pursue, he could do. And, and what he found in this pursuit is that all of the things that he pursued came back empty. Throughout the book, he tells us of the pursuit. And again and again, he proclaims that he said, it's vanity. Look what he says in the beginning. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does, it, uh, man, what does a man gain by all the toil by which he toils under the sun? And when he says toil, it's not just work. What we're gonna see is this is the pursuit of pleasure, it's the pursuit of relationships, it's the pursuit of wisdom, all these things. And he says, no, they're all toil, they're all work. And when he says they're all vanity, it's literally could be translated the idea it's trying to catch smoke. The idea that you see, you see it and you see, see it there and you think I'm gonna be content, man, I'm gonna try to grab it and, and the smoke just slips through your fingers. And look what he says about this and the impact that this had on him. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. If the, uh, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. He's saying it's all weariness. He says, I'm pursuing this. And, and even part of that is, I'm, what can I see? What can I hear? What can I give myself? And, and I'm weary. To use Jesus, I'm weary and I'm heavy burdened because I can't carry these burdens anymore. Now we're gonna look at a few of these things that the writer of Ecclesiastes talks about that he pursued. And I want you to see the reoccurring thing as he talks about it and describing it as striving, striving after the wind. It's, it's work for him, it's wearisome. In chapter one, he talked about how he yoked himself to the pursuit of learning, to wisdom. And look what he says about this. I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom all that is, for all that is done under the heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. It's vain, it's striving, it's, I'm, it's wearisome, I'm, I'm weary. And then we go to chapter two and in the beginning he yokes himself to the pursuit of pleasure. And again, this is the wealthiest guy ever. Nothing was out limits to him. And look at what it was, how he describes what it was like not, if, if anything, you could say, well, this isn't burdensome, this is joy. But he describes it as burden. Look what he says to one. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this was also vanity. And he's, here's the limits. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from my heart, no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for my toil. There was pleasure there. There was something. There was, there was a joy in a moment. But ultimately, did it satisfy? Next verse. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing so. The pursuit of pleasure was toil. And behold, all was vanity, was striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. I'm weary, it's empty, it's, it's trying to catch smoke, it's, it's wearisome. And I won't go through the whole list of everything that he tried, but let me take one more, because later in chapter two, he talks about how that he was pursuing work, and maybe if I could accomplish something that outlives me, and, and something of significance, that, something that mattered, and look at his conclusion. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all his vanity and striving after the wind. When you look at that, that's what Jesus is describing here. It's grievous, it's wearisome, it's, it's, a, it's a burden that I can't bear. And, and he's looking at this and saying, all the things that the world had to offer, that's the conclusion. See, the problem is, is that we're trying to, we've hooked ourselves to a yoke and we're trying to carry this burden that is just too heavy. 
and, and there's, a, there's a dream that's attached and we've, we're ourselves out trying to make that dream work. For some, it's you know, thinking, well, if I just get enough money, well, then I'll be happy. How, when you get enough and, and how do you protect it? Or if I just get the right family, if I make that work right, if I get my kids working right, if they can have success. And, or for some, it's man, if I find the perfect relationship and if I find that guy, if I find that girl, then my life will be complete. And you have others that have said, I found that person that I thought was the perfect one. Now if I could just make it work the way it's supposed to work because it isn't working so far and, and then I will be happy or finding that right hobby or pleasure that will satisfy me for, for more than an afternoon. And then whatever we trust in, it's not only that we pursue it, but then we have to worry about keeping it. And so, you know, again, even this week, today I was talking with people after the first service and they're, man, I'm weary and man, I've had this sickness and I had this, you know, you know suddenly this health crisis and I don't know if I'm gonna make it of my, my, you know, my loved one, my spouse, my child, and it's there, I've lost my job, I've got all these financials, I'm, I'm, all these things that we're worried about losing and it's wearisome. And the result is that we become worn down by these heavy burdens um, and we're trying to find the life that we want but the reality never arrives. Let me even try to illustrate this using the wording of Ecclesiastes. And when it talks about Ecclesiastes that all is vanity striving after the wind, it's describing not only smoke, but, but it could also be interpreted as the idea of trying to catch a bubble. Uh, you know, think about a, tr- a child trying to catch a bubble. It's something that looks shiny, it looks promising, and, and you're sitting there and you think, man, I'm gonna catch this, I'm gonna play with it, and you grab it and pop, it's gone. And, and it's right there, it never delivers. Let me even try to illustrate. Now, I, now I don't, didn't, I, you know, we don't have this planned. I'll, I'll see if we have any grade school or younger kids who would like to participate. If, you, if I have anybody that would like to help me, I've got a reward. And do we have anybody who would like to do that? You don't have to? Yeah, you've got to be grade school or younger, so. Here's the idea, all right? We're gonna take bubbles. If I were to do with bubbles and say to kids, okay, try to catch the bubbles. Okay, they're gonna go up there and they're gonna try to catch it. And if I say, okay, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you $5 if you could catch the bubbles. And what's gonna happen is they're gonna go out there and they're gonna try to catch the bubbles. It's like, wow, this is, and this is a game. And you try to catch it, and if they can catch it and bring it to me, but what happens is that every time you try to catch it, it's right there and you try to catch it and it pops. Now, we know this is something that kids like to play. The kids like to play with bubbles and they'll go out and they'll play with bubbles, you know, usually for 15 minutes or so and they get tired of it. Why? Because you realize, well, they're big and shiny, but they never catch one. You know, it's, it's, it, and then you move on to another game because it's just a game. Now, here's the reality. What if you believed in the depth of your mind, if you really believed that it's not just a game, but if you really believed that the key to happiness and fulfillment in life was catching that bubble? You see, what would happen is you'd put all your energy into chasing it. You'd put all your energy in catching it. And every time you got it, you'd have hope and then you'd be disappointed. And what happens is you become more and more desperate in life because you know that you need to catch that bubble to be satisfied in life. And yet it never works. And you might conclude that after all your effort, as the Ecclesiastes said, I considered that my, uh, all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it and behold, all was vanity. And, uh, and striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. And that's what we realize is that, is that you know, you go there and there's promise, but it doesn't work. You see, 
this question that we've got to ask here is not, it's not if we have a yoke, but do we have the right yoke? We're, we're chasing after something. There's something that, we've, that we're hooked to, something that we're pulling, but is it the right or the wrong one? Jesus is trying to get us to question the yoke that we're, that we're wearing, the burden that is attached to our yoke. We're all burdened by trying to find meaning and contentment, fulfillment in something, but the problem is too many of us have yoked ourselves to something that will never deliver the bubble that is there, the promise that, it, that, that we need. And the burdens of life are burdens that we've chosen. And so this is something that's hard for us to realize. If you've come in and you're like, man, I'm just burned out, I'm just depressed, I'm, well, the reason is because you've chosen those burdens. You've chosen to live after that pursuit of weariness. That those are things that we've chosen. I'm carrying those things by my choice. And the problem isn't that I'm too weak and I need God's help. Jesus is saying, no, I want you to see this and to see where you're making the wrong choice so that you can put that off and take on the right choice. Let me give one more illustration, again, out of Ecclesiastes that kind of gives this idea. When he says all is vanity, 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 he's saying it's all empty, that's what it means. And he's saying, okay, these were things that had great promise, but when I grabbed them, they were empty. Okay, so let's say, I think it's a lot like cotton candy. Okay, let's say you were really, really hungry. You're really, you know, you know just really starved. And you're there, and, and if you come, you say, man, I'm really hungry, and I say, oh, here's this big piece of cotton candy. And if you've never had cotton candy before, you look at this and you're saying, man, this thing's huge. This is gonna fill me up. This is, this is substantive because it looks big. And you're like, okay, well, let me try it. And so you get a piece and you, know, you taste this little piece and you say, okay, man, it, it looks good. It's colorful. It's, and so you take a taste and, and it's sweet. Man, it tastes good. This is what I need. But then you take that big bite and what happens? It dissolves. And, and it doesn't satisfy you. It, it, it dissolves. Yes, it's sweet but there's, it doesn't do anything to satisfy your hunger. And that's the problem is you're really hungry. And if you continue to say, well, but because it's sweet, I'm gonna continue to eat it. You continue to eat it and it continues to solve. It not only does nothing to satisfy your hunger, but over time, you're gonna start to feel sick. It's gonna start to actually create another problem. Why? Because it's vanity, it's empty. And we come to the same conclusion that a writer of Ecclesiastes, so I hated life because what was done under the sun was grievous to me for all his vanity and striving after the wind. So in this, what's the cure for our weariness? How do we, where do we go from here? It's all here in these couple verses. Look at again what Jesus says. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear. The burden that I give you is light. First of all, I want you to see he invites us to come to him. He calls us to relationship. Now you hear me say this a lot and I'm gonna keep saying it because it's so foundational. Christianity is not about a religion, it's about a relationship. God doesn't call us to relate religion. Religion is a set of rules. It's about a things that we're supposed to do. This idea that, okay, how do I somehow earn God's favor and here's the hoops that I have to jump through and then that's gonna make God happy to me. Now what's interesting is when you look at the Bible, especially in the New Testament, Jesus repeatedly confronted the, the religious leaders and he said, you're putting heavy burdens on people they can't carry. Those rules are heavy burdens, why? Because they're things that we're trying to do to not only find happiness, but to find relationship with God. And we can't do it. We're not capable. I mean, the fact of the matter is, all of us realize we fall short of our own standard, let alone God. 
we, you know, none of us do what is right all the time. All of us know that we fail. All of us disappoint ourselves or on other people. And then if we go to God's standard, man, do we ever fall short? But the thing is, is that the Christian message isn't about what we do. It isn't about us trying to work our way towards God. It's about God coming to us, doing something for us in our acceptance of God's gift. Jesus Christ came and he lived the perfect life that we could never live. He earned God's reward that we could never earn. And then when he went to the cross, he took our sins upon himself, not only our sins, but the punishment for our sins. So that although we believe in him, when we come to him, what happens is that God takes our sins, he puts it on Jesus, he takes Jesus' righteousness, he puts it on us. But we, it's not that we pull the weight, we admit that we fail in pulling the weight. God, I agree that I have this problem, I ask you to forgive me, I ask you to give me righteousness in Jesus. It's not a weight that we put on, that we come and we acknowledge that, we ask God to, to, to perform for us. In humility, we ask for his forgiveness. But in doing so, it's then also coming into relationship with him. You see, it's a relationship where we know there's this all-loving, all-powerful God who guides us in the truth because he knows what's best for us. It's not things that we do to earn the relationship. It's not if I do this, then God will love me. No, God loves me, he's forgiven me, but because he's loved me, because he's my father, now I want to listen to him. I wanna align my life with him. And because it's a relationship of trust and of love, I wanna, in a sense, put down my own wisdom and take up his teaching, his yoke. So again, our natural response is, you know, I can't do that, it's giving up self-control and I know what's best. And, but what Jesus is saying, no, it's not take my yoke, that you need a yoke. He's saying, no, take my yoke. You already have a yoke. You already have something that you're pulling. And the problem is you're pulling the wrong thing. That's why you're weary, that's why you're heavy burdened. And he's saying, you're not independent. And you know, no, you're, you're actually bound and, and restricted by these things, by the wrong things. Put them down, put your trust in me, take, put down your yoke, take up mine. And when we do that, what we're doing is we realize that it's a surrender, but then it's also a learning. Because what does it say? Take up my yoke and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and then you will find rest for your souls. You see, becoming a Christian starts by acknowledging, God, I'm a sinner, I, ask you, I need you to forgive me, I ask you to forgive me and accept Jesus' gift of forgiveness. And, but then because you're my father, I, I wanna obey you. And the rest of the Christian life is then learning to say, okay, what's that look like? God, help me come to your word. Help me to hear what you have for me to, for me to learn and to listen. And God, how do you want me to change my life? And none of us, so it's like, why oh, I did this. My life was changed. No, I'm still in the process after all these years, after 50 plus years of you know, faith, still learning what it means to live this out. God's still teaching me. It's a lifelong process where God exposes where I'm wrong and teaches where I need to go right. It's what, what is described in 2 Timothy chapter three. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Number one, to teach us what is true. So he teaches us the truth. And not only that, but then he helps us, to, makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. So it teaches us the truth and it shows us where we're out of align with that truth. It corrects us. And when it corrects us, it then corrects us when we're wrong. It not only shows us where we're wrong, but then it says, okay, here's how to turn back in the right path. Here's how to fix it. And once you've fixed it, it then teaches us to do what is right. And here's how to live right going forward. And that's what we need. This, if I come to Christ, if I really trust in him, I take up his, his, uh, his yoke, I trust that he knows what's best for me, 
that following his way is, is not what's heavy. It's actually what's light and gives rest for my souls. You see, I want to learn. But it's an invitation that Jesus gives us that we have to each one say, well, how do we respond to? Again, here's what I want you to see. It's a personal invitation. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's not the command of an angry, harsh God, do this or else. But what does it say? It's given in a spirit of gentleness and humility. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Find rest for your souls. Well, first we have to acknowledge our need. We have to come to him and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm tired. Not that I'm only tired. God, help me do what I want to do. But it's, God, I agree with you that I'm tired because I'm carrying the wrong burdens. God, help me to see where I'm carrying the wrong burdens. Help me to see where I'm self-reliant. God, I come to you in my need. Come to me. If I don't admit that I'm tight and weary and heavy laden, if I don't admit that, I'm, I'm never going to find him. But he invites us to come, to admit that need, and, and in that, to, to have this invitation where he doesn't now beat us up, I can't believe you've done this, or he invites us in grace and humility and, and gentleness. See, a lot of people see God as this God of judgment, you know, and, and kind of like, well, here's the command, and, and if you don't do this, then he's going to punish the people that, that resist him. But first, I want you to see that this isn't a command, it's an invitation. He invites us to come in a spirit of gentleness and humility. I, again, I love the New Living Translation of this. He says, I, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. What's that mean? You see, it means that he comes to us and invites us and gives us the freedom to reject him. And it's not with harshness saying, if you don't, I'm gonna judge you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punish you, but it's with a spirit of compassion because he's watching us struggle with a burden that is weighing us down and he's, his heart is broken when he sees our brokenness and he says, okay, you've chosen the wrong burden. Come to me, I wanna, I wanna give you rest. It's not that he's angry, seeking to judge us for, you know, for rejecting him or doing things the wrong way. No, what he does is he sees the natural consequences of the decisions that we've made and how it's hurting us. And he invites us to a place of healing and blessing. So I think a lot of people get this totally wrong. Many people in our culture have this idea that, well, if I live my own life, my own decisions, that's the life of blessing. Everything is going great. I'm experiencing all the blessings. That's, that's what makes life work. Well, and then God is there, and then God comes in, and he says this ang anger and authority, and he says, if you don't obey me, then he's going to try to force me to do his commands, and if not, then he's going to bring judgment in my life. He's going to bring the pain. Now, that's completely false. In reality, what the Bible teaches is that when we try to live life in our own terms, when, we, when we're the ultimate authority on our lives, when we decide our own yoke in a sense, that burden will be heavy, it will be, it will be wearisome, and the result will always be brokenness. And it's not that God is punishing us, it's not that God is bringing that weariness and brokenness into our life, but we do it to ourselves by rejecting God and his truth. We've chosen that burden. We've chosen the weariness. And God comes to us in that state. And he comes as one who is humble and who is gentle in heart. He's not trying to force us, but he's inviting us to freely make a choice on our own. He's coming and he's saying, I see your brokenness and my heart is broken because of that and I want to invite you to healing. And, and he doesn't threaten punishment if we reject him. No, 
it's not that you know, things are going well and God brings bad things into us when we reject him. No, we've brought that brokenness into our own life. Our life isn't working because of our decisions. And God looks at us with this humility and gentleness and says, okay, I invite you not out of anger, but out of compassion and saying, I don't, I'm not gonna judge you for rejecting me. I wanna bring healing and restoration for accepting me. Accept this invitation. I wanna come and bring healing. In fact, if we go back all the way back in the first passage we did in this part of the series, at the end of Matthew 9, Jesus said this, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, he looks at us, he sees that we're harassed. He sees that we're weary. He sees that and he's not judging us. If you're here and even if you've wandered away from God, you know that you've done things wrong. God isn't here in anger and saying, I'm here to get you. He's sitting here saying, no, I see the brokenness. I don't want you to continue to choose that path. Come to me and let me bring healing. Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the invitation that he gives to each one of us today. And no matter what the cause of that weariness, whether it's we've wandered away, whether we're doing it on our own, whether we don't even know, whether it's just the weight of life, that's the invitation that he gives us today, that he gives to you, that he gives to me, that we don't have to carry this burden on our own. He says, no, it's the wrong burden. Take my burden, because that's the burden of healing. Rest for the souls. And that is it for this week's message. If you have a question about the message, Community Church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.